Hello and welcome to the Investors Chronicle Companies and Markets Show. I'm John Human, editor of the Investors Chronicle. I'm joined today by Stephen Wilmot, company's editor. How are you, Stephen? Not too bad with my arm in a sling. Yeah, I had an operation this week, didn't you? I did indeed. And and back at work two days later. <laughs> impressive stuff, impressive stuff, Stephen. Well Dedication. Done. Absolutely. Graham Davis. Hello, John. How are you? Very well, and you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Good. Uh, over in the control room, uh, Daniel Liberto. Hi, John. Who's written the cover feature this week. And uh, very good cover feature it is too. Thank you. Thank you for that. We'll talk about that very briefly in a minute. And uh, Dom Toms over there too. Okay, so um, today is Super Thursday. It doesn't feel that super, apart from the cricket, which is amazing. Yes. Amazing Thursday. It's been a super Thursday at Trent Bridge, but yeah, uh, yeah. Mm, elsewhere. So we bowled out the Aussies for 60. Yeah. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. What do you think of that, Stephen? Um, I've been following it closely, as you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, apart from the cricket, Super Thursday, it's about the uh, figures that have been coming out this week, today even, from uh, from the government, the latest inflation figures, some uh, NPC. NPC committee committee notes. uh, Yeah, the the theory is that sticking them all together gives them more oomph, a bit more excitement. Yeah. Uh, But it wasn't really that exciting. Sounds very American. Yes, it Um, is, I think. This week has been. I mean, we alluded to this last week when we uh, when we were sitting here in the uh, studio that the week uh, ahead, I, which is now the week behind, was uh, was going to be hell. The week from hell, and it was the week from hell. So yes, we will talk a lot about results today and some of the themes that we're seeing uh, from the company reporting season. Not entirely unexpected what we're seeing, but uh, but but interesting nevertheless. Uh, we did about how many results did we do this week? 80, 87, 88. 87, very specific. Something very specific. like that. Almost 90. Almost 90. So, yeah, I'm in a big, big week for results. Mm-hmm. Uh, quietly down next week. Yep. Readers uh, will almost invariably find their shares represented in this week's issue. Okay. Okay. And we've had some interesting stuff going on on the news front uh, around the banks, mm. RBS in particular which uh, we'll talk about in a minute. And um, some of the engineers, which have not been having a great time at the moment. Dan, you're going to help us out with this in a minute. But uh, uh, the vultures are circling. Let's start with uh, Super Thursday. Mm. Super Thursday. So what were we expecting? What's actually happened? Oh, well, I'm not sure. What we were, Well, what, what was expected was that there would be a bit of a shift in uh, the Monetary Policy Committee towards raising interest rates. There was, but there was less of a shift than people thought. It was one person, wasn't it? One person went uh, for a 0.25% increase in interest rates. The other eight sat on their hands. Now, people were saying there might be two or three go that way. So, basically, it's just pushed it out. um, 2016, that I was talking about. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, I think we've done all right on this. We've called this. Mm. We've said all along, you know, the, the talk of interest rate rises coming this year are perhaps a little bit wider than mark. I mean, look at inflation. And how at zero percent inflation, how it's difficult to justify interest rate rises. Right? Yeah, so that was the other figure that came today. That was one of the Super Thursday figures, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I guess you get some Stop hawks that. who say even though it's not, it's hard to justify a rate rise by the usual measures, i.e., there's no inflationary pressure. Mm. They would say today's interest rate is so exceptional that we should normalise it even without any particular reason to which but that obviously seems to be such a minority view (laughs) that you know we don't have to worry for a bit longer it also doesn't doesn't sound very um based on any fundamental yeah well none of this it's been 0% for so it's been you know x percent for so long that we should raise it just because it's been x percent for so long Mm. i mean that's just a nonsense view but that is a view of some economists i mean if you wanted to 
find a hawkish reason to raise rates that that would be it right where where it where at exceptional levels this ne- should never have been or- normal and therefore we should normalize but what is normal now i mean we're six yeah, years into this no quite exactly but <laughs> normal is now yeah. super low surely yeah well that's that's, that's an interesting point yeah and obviously that is partly what mark carney has been saying about the you know new normal being mm. a lower rate environment than we're used to mm. I, I think the old idea of an interest rate cycle is just out the window we, we, we've been stuck at rock bottom for more than half a decade and I mean, inflation yeah. look inf- uh, the inflation issue there i mean everyone was saying inflation is going to pick up in the second half of this year but oil as we've written about in seven days this week commodities are getting hammered still oil below 50 dollars a barrel again that idea of the oil price fall dropping out it will drop out but <laughs> it hasn't shot back up either you know no the inflationary pressures are minimal no, good news for the consumer economy that we discussed mm-hmm. there last week. And bad mm-hmm. news for a number of companies which reported last week, which no doubt we'll touch on. In the oil and gas. In the oil, well, and, uh, mining, and the engineering. And engineering, yeah. which are yeah. heavily exposed to that. Yeah, engineering, in fact, we saw a lot of results last week. You know, IMI, Renishaw had a bit of a problem. Um, sorry, I'm flicking through here. No, but, that's okay, um, Stephen. There's a lot to th- <laughs> flick through there. It's, uh, it's, it was about 30 pages worth of results. Yeah, I read every single one of them. And uh, <laughs> I wish I could say I remembered them all in uh, very specific detail. But uh, yeah, it's sort of all, they, they do tend to blur into one another after a while. I'm only human after <laughs> all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very good. Um, you know, it does feel to me like, you know, okay, so the oil price has fallen. And this has hurt some companies, but these are good companies, mm. you know, and I can't imagine that it's going to really, you know, do for some of these companies in the longer term. And, it, you know, on that basis, I think, you know, are we getting towards a buying opportunity for some of these companies? Well, we we definitely, we upgraded some of our recommendations. So um, Daniel had very um, sensibly, as it turned out, it's always nice to say in hindsight, isn't it, downgraded Weir to sell at the full year results back in February and we decided to move them back to a hold after they'd fallen, I think, you know, 20-odd percent since then. Or actually 30%, and we, we said sell in October. Good work, Daniel. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, Weir, Weir makes um, pumps for mines, but actually that's not been what the, the main issue lately. It's 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 US shale business, um, which mm. has been really suffering. The same business which has, you know, brought down BP and Shell, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it's just uh, unfortunate that he has these two businesses, one in mining, which was hit last year, and then now this one in the US. And um, uh, I mean, Road Talk was another one. Dan, I mean, Daniel, yeah. you might want to comment on this. I th- you, you wrote that piece this week. Road Talk, it's a great company. I mean, it's, a, it's you know, it's a world leader in what it does, which is uh, valves again. But it had a pretty, pretty tough uh, six months. And it, that was oil and gas related as well. Yeah, um, it's definitely been difficult for Road Talk. Um, but I think it's a company that's um, very defensive in nature and I think management have uh, have really kind of responded well to that challenge. Um, it's the same with Weir in a way. I think Weir was really hammered at the start, but um, one of the reasons why my colleague Mark Robinson actually moved to a hold because I was away on um, holiday last week um, was just because of the kind of the way that, you know, we're, we're seeing as kind of management kind of acting and, and kind of tackling these problems well. And also because, you know, the shares have just kind of plummeted and we just don't think it can really go on. How they can fall much more than that. Yeah, so so they're responding, I guess, in a couple of ways. They they must be cutting costs, I presume. Yeah. But also looking for new markets to, to offset some of the weakness in the, the oil and gas markets and mining markets that they're in. And what sort of markets are they are they looking at instead? 
Well, I mean, it, it varies a lot depending on the company. I mean, we're talking about a lot of companies here. If you, if you flick through the results page, you've got Weir, you've got IMR, you've got Bodycoat, you've got Rolls-Royce and, and several others like Rotalk. Yeah. They've kind of all had like, you know, big exposure to this uh, oil and gas market. And um, each of them have kind of reacted some ways. Um, self-help has is, is definitely been a, a big thing for a lot of these companies, just kind of cutting costs, like you said. And... Um, just trying to weather the storm as, as best as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take, you, you take, actually you actually wrote a feature on this a while back. You know, yeah, so right. we kind of called it self help heroes. But yeah. uh, you know, I mean, we we kind of spotted this trend as it was happening. Actually, I spoke and, to someone at IMI, IMI recently, and he talked about this. And it's not just a question of cutting costs, but also of, um, I mean, in the jargon, optimizing supply chains. But you know, basically becoming closer to consumers so that you don't hold a lot of stock just um, in time. Yeah, exactly. Just in time manufacturing. Just in time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, I mean, it makes sense. And, yeah. you know, I, you know I, I look at this sector and it's, it's had a tough time. You've got to give them some credit because, you know, you couldn't have predicted how quickly the, the oil price was going to shift from what had looked like a pretty stable price for, for a long, long time. Mm. Yeah, you let's know? not forget this was the one prediction no one was making last no, year. No, exactly. I mean, <laughs> exactly. So, it's always so, easy to so forget I, this, isn't it? <laughs> indeed, so I don't look at any of these companies and think, oh, oh what terribly bad management. Spirex Sake was another company that um, I think you, you decided to upgrade, didn't you, um, yeah. Daniel? Because, I mean, although it, it is exposed because it, it does this manufacturing efficiency stuff, um, weaning people off oil and gas, but obviously now oil and gas is oil is cheaper i guess it's a bit harder to make that sell case but they still seem to be managing pretty well yeah again spirex is, is seems to be one of those companies that kind of is, is positions itself very defensively um and it, it, it kind of a lot of the products it makes are used in kind of legislation so it has that kind of factor behind it so even though it has been impacted by the oil price it hasn't been as bad there as it has been for some other companies mm-hmm. i mean it's interesting i think you know uh Renishaw was a company that reported this week Redishaw is a is a brilliant company. Mm. You know, it's it's well respected in, in you know around the world in terms of what it does. It's it's you know very very high end uh, manufacturing equipment. Um, and you know, I remember a few years back, you know, actually, as the crisis struck. Do, 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 this, do, you, do you remember? I do you remember we it was a buy tip. Okay, go on. I actually made this a <laughs> oh, did tip you? of the year <laughs> oh, did you? just before. <laughs> I didn't realize it was yours. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, had to, yeah. I had to pick this one up, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it was me. It was me. It was mine. I, it was, and it was a disaster. Yeah. Because as the crisis struck, you know, as the world economy grants of a halt, Renishaw just collapsed. Um, but if you'd have actually bought at the bottom point, uh, at, you know, 2008, you'd have made it. I mean, extraordinary amounts of money. It is a fantastically run company. Even if you'd bought. When you recommended buying, I suspect you'd yeah, have done very well. You would have done had you had, had you been brave enough to hang on, <laughs> um, which I'm not sure I would have been personally, as I thought the world was about to collapse mm. around us. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, these are fantastically run companies. I think is the point. Um, yeah, whether it's a Road Talk or a Spirax or a Body Coat, I mean, these these are companies that have global reach and are doing wonderful things uh, in their sectors. You know. Leaders in their fields. They don't win the headlines, but they don't they, win they the actually, headlines. You know, yeah. they don't. And you know, and this takes. I think. I mean, let's talk now about what's happening at Rolls Royce and Smiths, which you wrote about in the new spotlight this week. Because I think this this is part of the same thing. You know, these companies are in the doldrums. You know, market forces have worked against them, but they are brilliant companies, and um, you know, they do things that other people can't do. Uh, unsurprisingly, activist investors have have. Uh, have got the same idea. Dan, what's what's going on at, at, uh, at Rolls-Royce? 
So yeah, uh, Rolls Royce. Um, so reports kind of spread over the weekend that Value Acted uh, bought a small stake in the company. So who's va- who's Value Act? It's um, a U.S. hedge fund okay. um, with a kind of a, a activist investor that's known for um, making a lot of positive changes at Microsoft in the past. Okay. And um, it's had a massively um, positive effect on on shares there. It came, I think, just one day after the results came out, which were pretty tragic. Um, so tragic they were that's the, the results. Um, that's not that's not an IC uh, standard recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of concern there. There's uh, again talking about the oil price. Uh, Rolls has been hit particularly hard by that. Uh, and you know, I had a reader a couple of weeks ago who wrote to me and was panicking about kind of what's happened to this great company. What Rolls Royce? Yeah, really? Right, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I, my, I, you know, full disclosure here. Um, my wife owns some shares at Rolls Royce, and we, yeah, we're not panicking at all. I just don't know why you would be. Glad to hear. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. three three profit warnings in the space of nine months. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'll pass. Some it'll, will panic. It'll pass. Some well, will no, panic. I, honestly, I, this goes back to what I'm saying. It's it's a brilliant company. If you want to, if you fly on a plane. Yeah, there is every chance that the engines that are keeping this thing in the mm. air are Rolls-Royce. I mean, if you go on a, a large boat, same thing. A, any kind of, you know, naval vessel, same thing. It's, it's an amazing company. There, is, there are few companies in the world that can do what it does. And I guess this is why Value Act are interested because, you know, yeah, it's had a torrid time. But, uh, you know, that, that's, un, that's basically put the shares at a position where they recognise that there's a little bit of value to be, uh, to be had there. Yeah, it looks uh, like that's the case. And also there's um, also reports that they were quite keen on the um, new chief executive, Warren East, ah, well, yeah. having seen what he did at Arm. Absolutely. Um, and the same goes for Smith's group as well. They've they've had a really kind of torrid time. And um, a few days after, there was reports of Value Act had also been buying up um, a stake in, in that company as well. And uh, similarly, the shares uh, moved up on that um, on that news. And they, Smith's have got a new chief exec coming in as well, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. Management change. Yes. foot there. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, last week we spoke a lot about deal making acquisitions that are, that, you know, really kind of started to accelerate. Mm. Um, and, you know, it does feel like this is a sector where there is value to be potentially found by by an acquirer who, who's looking, you know, with a slightly longer term horizon, potentially. Mm. It's very, very interesting. I and mean, actually, Dan, while we're on this subject, so I don't think we're going to talk about the feature in great depth today. And let's leave the reading. But, you know, this is about hidden value as well, that feature. And I think, you know, this sector, engineering, feels like that recent macro events have, have basically unlocked a little bit of value. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely the case. Um, obviously, it requires um, a lot of patience from investors. I mean, things aren't going to change overnight some of these companies. But at the end of the day, we know that they're well run. They, they've got a great business model and eventually they will bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. So is this, are we finally going to see a breakup at Smith's, Daniel? Because <clears throat> we've been waiting ten, nearly 10 years for a breakup of Smith's. Everyone seems to want it, yeah. Um, time will tell. The new um, the new chief executive will be starting shortly. I think it's next month, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens then mm. if there's a strategic review to, to look into that. But um, It seems like Philip Bowman just hasn't been satisfied with the prices he's been offered. That that seems to have been the main issue so far. So if so, Philip Bowman was, is the guy who's leaving. Um, and yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it might be an issue of... Expectations. So there are buyers yeah. potentially. The, yeah, the, the I mean, the, there have been buyers who've 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 come along and said, "Well, offer you this," and he's he just never. That's never. It's just never happened. So, so. was the medical devices bit of the business? Yeah, the medical devices. Uh, I think was the one that was um, that got a firm offer from, and I can't remember who now. A couple of years ago, but it, it never quite um, met his obviously very high valuation demands. But 
it, that, that I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, well, obviously it's been a bad thing because, um, you know, Smith's share price has done nothing but, well, go sideways since I tipped it four years ago. Yeah, no, no, no one likes conglomerates anymore. <laughs> no. no one likes conglomerates, uh, as as our own employers have uh, have proven. <laughs> Indeed. Um, okay. Apart from Berkshire Hathaway. Yes, yeah, which we talked about a few weeks back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the exception to the to the to the modern day rule when it comes to conglomerates. Okay, let's uh, move back away from results for a minute. Go back towards uh, seven days section. Graham, banks. Yeah. I mean, we've had some bank results too, actually. But I guess the big banking news was the uh, RBS mm. news this week that uh, the starting gun has been fired on the disposal of the government stake. Yes, and a lot of uh, a lot of hot air around this one because some people thought it was too early. Too, uh, the price got a few people aerated, but as you alluded to in your um, editorial, uh, the the yes, the price was below the theoretical buy-in price and the theoretical break-even price. But you've got to start somewhere, and this was never, as you say. A profit-making exercise. It was an exercise in saving the British banking system, which has happened. I think I may have nicked that one off Stephen. Actually. Oh really? Oh, well, <laughs> we don't. You don't mind, do you, Stephen? <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't a very original point I was making. I um, think, uh, Ian tells me I'd already made it, but I'd forgotten I'd made it. So uh, you know, we, we have a very collegiate approach to, approach to, uh, to to our analysis at the Investor Square, which is the best way to do it. Actually, you know, we kind of. Indeed. bouncing ideas off each other but uh, no I, I you know I, I I think this is this is good stuff the comparison Lloyd's you know I, I think people were I, I mean they weren't entirely surprised when it started no. it was in a slightly better position as a bank but um, you know it has actually helped the share price uh, and subsequent share sales there so yeah indeed you know, the, the, I, the, I think it's the, the same theory that they're the difference to. was that RBS was a global institution when it was whereas the bad bit of Lloyd's was HBOS, and HBOS was bad because it had done lots of risky commercial property lending in the UK. I'm sure RBS did a fair bit of that. Oh, well. RBS did a fair <laughs> bit of that as well, but it became a lot. I mean, that that market recovered, and that just enabled yeah. them to sell off Lloyd's. But all of this kind of foreign stuff that RBS has spent the last two years, um, and Ross McEwen just seems to be continually. I mean, having to announce, you know, the sale of this, uh, you know, and obviously they're trying to get rid of their U.S. state, yeah, their stake in this U.S. business, which is actually one of the positive stories. But you know, they're just there's so much cleaning up to do internationally that anyway, I just it's been a simpler, simpler job at Lloyd's, hasn't it? It has, yeah. it has. But then you know, if we were to wait for RBS to be, you know, a yeah. super clean entity that you know shareholders love, we're going to be waiting for Can years, we wait forever. We'll yeah, wait exactly, for and, and people forget that actually, you know. That money can be allocated. You know, money has a, ty- a value in time, right? And yeah. That, that that those funds can be allocated to other things, which can earn earn a earn a return. You know, it's not just like if you wait two years and you get the buy-in price, then hooray! You know, thumbs up. And and this was only the first tranche of shares. <laughs> yeah, as well. that's the yeah. point. You know, yeah, it yeah. was it was uh, six hundred thirty million shares. And there's a lot more in issue than that. Five percent of the bank. Five percent yeah, of the bank. Yeah. So. It, it went well. The institution snapped it up. There was some, again, you know, the, the, on the left side of the political spectrum were sort of complaining about the Tories looking after their mates in the city. And there was some talk of hedge funds shorting the stock before then taking part in the in, in, in Oh, the, I'm sure they were. Sale. But I'm that's, sure they that's were. what goes on. It is what goes on. I mean, the thing that worried me that I, that I heard was that, you know, because the Lloyds 
sale had gone so well to institutions that they were thinking of scrapping this idea of actually offering part of the bank mm. to, to retail shareholders. And, you know, that worries me. The, the idea that it was the taxpayer that bailed the banks out um, would really be kind of mitigated if uh, the public were allowed to buy back in somehow. And there was talk for a while about shares being given away for free mm. in RBS. Um, one of the Liberal Democrats' ideas, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, it was a rubbish <laughs> idea there. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but but it no, knows, no yeah. I mean, the point is, you know, I do think, I mean, retail issues are harder because they require a lot more paperwork. And, you know, mm. um, you've, you've got to spend a lot more, more money with the UK listing authority getting these prospectuses right. But, you know, it's hard work. But I think, yeah, I think the, the public deserves Yeah to get involved in these sell-offs mm. definitely indeed and they did it with royal mail yeah so yeah. you know Absolutely. didn't get any criticism for that well yeah, maybe maybe that's it <laughs> well, again, 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 again this I, you know this is what i wrote about in the editorial that's when they were being criticized for, for underpricing that you know we were sitting there thinking what because you know you were looking at this business thinking well you know it's got loads of problems mm. yeah. and you know okay so the share price has started to fly but that's that's markets for you that tells you nothing about the underlying business mm. yeah nothing at all and, you know, so we, uh, at a point, a few months after the, the IPO, we put them on a sale. And very uh, successfully. And very successfully, because mm. because actually, it wasn't, the pricing initially wasn't far away from where it should have been. Well, yeah. And, you know, you could possibly argue the same about RBS today. Yeah. You know, so the shares were four quid a month or two ago. So what? It's markets. Markets have, have moved back since then. It does suggest a certain naivety on the part of people who are criticising uh, the government in this particular instance. Um which is why I sometimes think the politicians and markets don't mix very well. But, but there you go. <laughs> but they, some politicians are great with markets, uh, na- naming no names. Yes. Um, okay, but yeah. So I mean, the banks have reported this week as well. Mm. Uh, looking okay. We I mean, we upgraded. We upgraded Lloyd. Lloyd. Yes, um, a seminal moment, um, and actually, it, it brings our bank recommendations sort of into into a more coherent state because. Um, we now have all of the UK banks basically on buys and the more global institutions on holds, which I mean, it feels feels about right. It's not That's massively right. not a massively contrarian viewpoint, but it makes you know if we if we believe, which I think we do, that um, the UK is going to continue to outperform um, economically, then um, then it makes sense to have Lloyd's and RBS. Well, RBS is a, is a slightly special case as we've just been discussing, but. Um, but it yeah. does feel like a buy. I mean, yeah, and, and this is why I also don't understand. This yeah. is why I also get sort of somewhat irate about these arguments being put forward. It's like, well, you know, okay, so even if you're not offered the shares as part of the actual disposal, there is this thing called the stock market and <laughs> stockbrokers, and you can actually just go and buy them if you think they're being underpriced. I, I I despair sometimes of the rhetoric around these kind of things, but but there you go. Um, mm. Not so sure about the the banks with with more emerging market exposure yes exactly so standard Chartered and hsbc both reported this week um new chief exec at standard Chartered made his mark y- yes uh, half the dividend he halved the dividend and nice. made some extreme well i think the interesting thing at standard Chartered is is this a kitchen sink job and it's not entirely clear um whether it is i mean he he was very forthright in his rhetoric that um in fact ian is uh in his write-up, um, our banking guys has quoted it. Um, we grew aggressively in certain markets. We accepted high concentrations by industry, by geography, and by individual borrower. And we have found some weak operational controls that expose the group to losses and fraud. Well, 
Anyway, you don't often get um, people Ouch. making it's pretty such blunt. A... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a very, it's a very um, blunt assessment of his yeah. predecessors. Uh, yeah. Peter Sands. Yeah. And the, okay. I hope, this, I hope. I hope this is a kitchen sink job because there's nothing worse well, than exactly. a kitchen sink job that uh, that isn't quite enough. Well, and but, you have to rip, rip, out, rip out the bathroom sink as well afterwards. Yeah. So he halved the dividend, and made these very aggressive comments, but he didn't sort of write down vast amounts of goodwill as you often get in a kitchen yeah. sink job. So it, to me, it wasn't entirely clear whether it was, a, and he didn't raise any equity, crucially, which is the thing that people have been worried about. Okay. So. I mean, he, you would, you would, you would have thought he hasn't really been in the hot seat long enough. No, well, to exactly, do a proper kitchen sink job. Exactly, <gasps> you know, you'd expect him to. So, this may just be the first. So we first don't, stage. we don't think. It, I mean, to Standard Charters shares have fallen far. I mean, mm. really quite far. Um, they've lost apparently nearly half their market value. I mean, that's extraordinary. Since it's a huge, huge bank. Yeah, huge bank. Absolutely, and uh, um, uh, so that there, there will be a bu- good buying opportunity there, but. We're not calling it yet. No, I wouldn't be calling it yet. Um, Definitely not. HSBC, I mean, they uh, they reported as well. Uh, they sold off a big part of their uh, South Brazil. American bank. Yeah, they sold off their um, their bank and their, their their operation in Brazil. I mean, they've they've been trying to pivot towards Asia a bit like uh, Barack Obama. And um, has he? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's been lost in internal politics. But. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they, they've just been trying to focus. I mean, I think that's the issue with HSBC. It it, um, it had always seemed, it just became a very sprawling operation. That was, in a way, its virtue because it, it was so well diversified. But, I mean, one other thing we were talking about is how global growth is is quite weak. And that for a company like HSBC or Diageo, another company that reported... Um, you know, you you really see that these these big old conglomerates that did well in through the crisis because they're always exposed to some places which were growing, even if mainly mainly emerging markets back then, uh, even if um, that they they were you know their their old historic markets were looking, or rather, they, shall I say, their European markets were looking mm. a bit weak. You know, these companies are now finding it hard to, to deliver kind of satisfactory numbers in a deflationary environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that's something we, we were talking about before we came on air, was that, you know, uh, I, I looked across the, you know, 90 results I read this week, and, you know, it seemed that revenue growth was not exactly spectacular. Profit growth was, was a bit yeah. better. Yes, exactly. In a lot, of, I mean, there were obviously yeah, yeah. exceptions. Yeah, you know, there are niche, that, there are niche markets, and there are some UK com- exposed companies which are doing very well with recovery. But yeah, on the whole, the, the more global um, operators, the kind of the big, the, the large caps in particular. So are, I'm looking at Pharma, uh, the big, oh, well, two farmer, big pharma here. Pharma's I mean, a bit of a special case, but yeah. you know, revenue's going the wrong way. Yeah, revenue's definitely going the wrong way there. Um, yeah. But others like Diageo, Inchcape, they are getting some growth, but it feels like a, a struggle. It's a real struggle. Yeah, and so and so, you know, cost cutting is was a big feature, I, I would say, of, mm-hmm. of the results uh, season this year. Mm. Uh, some cost cutting that's happened historically, some that as you as you pointed out earlier, Stephen, companies were announcing they were planning to Well, do. Centrica and, and Shell foremost among them, I suppose. Which we the, talked about last week. But yeah. I mean, on, a, on an enormous scale in those cases, but, you know, but, uh, yeah, across are, the board, I think yeah, we're absolutely. seeing the same, same sort of thing. It, um, well, yeah, getting back to self-help and the engineers, which we're talking about. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, in some, in some ways, that doesn't feel so good. You know, where companies are, like the engineers, have been exposed to 
really quite tough markets. Yeah, the self-help makes sense for them to, to remain viable investments. But we're talking about businesses where, you know, uh, they've been talked up. But actually, the growth is not coming from, from genuine organic growth. It's coming from acquisitions. It's coming from, from cost cutting in terms of profit growth. Mm. That doesn't feel so good. Yeah, I no, worry about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, you raise the point of acquisitions. I mean, again, yeah, because money is so cheap. There have been a lot of, and we talked about this last week, obviously, but acquisitions are a big theme. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything but top line organic growth has been boosting the numbers in these, yeah, in these yeah. results. Yeah. I find it troubling. I find it troubling. But hey, what do I know? But then, you know, we looked at someone like Robert Walters, which he had mentioned in the Taking Stock column, you know, recruiters doing well. Yeah, well, they're very operationally know. geared, aren't they? And yeah, no, exactly. In some some markets, you get very strong strong numbers and recruiters are doing very well. Yeah, in fact, support services, as I as I quickly flick through when I look at the share price charts, which is quite easy to do when you've actually got them all in front of you. So yeah. I've never... Never noticed that useful facility of a print product before. <laughs> but actually, the support services companies are all going the right way. When you look at an oil or mining or you know anything with exposure to those sectors, you can see as you look at them alongside they're going the wrong way. I mean, it's actually quite useful. Wow. <laughs> so you buy the print product. Print is not dead, John. <laughs> print not is dead. not dead. Um, yes. I always see them kind of one at a time as, uh, as we're, we're putting the magazine together. But yeah, it's, it's, it's quite interesting to see them side by side uh, like this. But there you go. There you go. Okay, so, um, right, lots of results this week. So, I mean, uh, you know, I think we've covered the main themes there in, in sort of a broad brush manner. Um, so, uh, yeah, go away, read uh, the, the 30 pages of results this week. Um, it's, uh, I mean, it's really good to, to, to see them all together. I think that's the point uh, of why this is such a popular issue that uh, you know, there's no one else doing this kind of stuff. There's no one else that has the capacity to to pull the market together in this way. And uh, yeah, well done, Stephen and your team. It's uh, well done over there, Dan. I know you've been uh, working hard on this. Yeah, it's uh, heavy, heavy duty stuff. Mm, heavy duty. We all need a holiday. You've just had your holiday. <laughs> Which you spent in A and E. I hope you're not referring to my two days in Denmark Hill Hospital. No, no, I'm not referring to that. Uh, okay, so uh, what else have we got? Um, Graham, you you wrote a little piece on uh, Janelle uh, and Golf Keystone this week, mm. which is quite interesting. Yeah, finally, big, big popular one with uh, retail investors. Yeah, though. the retail investors love love Janelle and uh, Golf Keystone uh, on the back of what is really, you know, undoubted undoubtedly huge potential uh, in Kurdistan um, these guys are growing their oil uh, output um, in fact Janelle had results out this morning which showed that their oil output had gone up from 68 to 88,000 barrels or something in that ballpark so you know operations have been going really well but they've been getting hammered because they haven't been able to actually get any get the right money for the uh, for the oil they're producing these should be big companies yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it's huge amounts of oil that are produced, hundreds of millions that. of dollars in revenue here but they've been there's been issues between the kurdish the kurdish regional government and and the iraqi central government over the the, the the revenues coming from oil there is there was word this week from the kurdish regional government that they will start regular payments from september all right janelle and, and gulf keystone both their shares popped about 20 percent each on the day They've come off a tiny bit since then, but it, it looks like uh, maybe light at the end of a long tunnel for those guys. There's still security issues, obviously, in that region. Yeah. But where they operate has been 
peaceful for months now. Okay, good stuff. Mm. All right, so we're still uh, relatively positive on those companies. Janelle's a buy. On a long-term view. Gulf Key's down, we've downgraded to a yeah. hold, but okay. still. Yeah. Tip updates page. Um, Dan, you've had a you've had a good week here. Hell and Titan was one of yours. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, 50% 50% shares have, uh, have done since your, your tip there. Um, yeah. It, nice work. Thanks, thanks. It's it's a really great company, but um, I don't think the shares moved too much until this uh, this offer came forward. Um, I think the co- companies um, maybe it's one of those companies that kind of sounds a bit odd or a bit boring, and people don't really understand, like or find cables very exciting. That's not all the companies in your sector, isn't it? That? <laughs> They're actually really interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, this uh, this bid. Um, you know, shares rocketed off that, and uh, it looks like a, a really good deal. Yeah, yeah. No, it's an interesting company. It ties into the uh, uh, connected car space that we talked about, that you wrote about in the cover feature. That's a few right. Weeks back. Yeah, I think we we nailed the timing of that one. Yeah. Obviously, obviously. Uh, so yeah, let's see uh, what else we've got in uh, the world at large this week. Uh, China's obviously struggling, and there's a bit worries about that still. Mm, God yep. knows what's happening in the markets over there. I read some figures there about how much money the government spent propping up its markets. <laughs> yeah, it's it's terrifying. Fri- a billion, yeah. 100, 150 billion, I think the figure uh, I saw. Uh, yeah, hundreds uh, of billions. Insane. Mad. Uh, some. Uh, Market manipulators in the UK have been sentenced to quite significant prison time. Yeah, 14 years. 14 the, years. The, the guy who was uh, Tom Hayes, 14 years for uh, manipulating LIBOR. Seems like a message is being sent to the industry there. Yeah, do you feel sorry for him? No. <laughs> is the correct answer. Is the correct answer. Um, yeah, a company, a company, uh, Greece, uh, you know, market's open there again. Good lord, <laughs> bloodbath in the immediate absolute bloodbath. Uh, um, but I mean, yeah, we saw that one coming, didn't we? I yeah, mean, that, that was clearly going to happen. Yeah, I guess they've got to open at some point. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they're going to get smashed when they do. But there's, there's a bit talk, like China, really. There, there is talk that um, that they, they're getting close to a, a, a bailout deal. Yeah, I just so start, we, I started reading a new book today. Uh, a new book? It's an old book, but I only started reading it today. Boomerang by uh, Michael Lewis. He goes to visit Iceland and uh, and Greece in in the aftermath of uh, the, the crises there, uh, yes. and actually before some of the stuff we're we're seeing at the moment is happening. And, uh, my God, I, you know, I always read when I read Michael Lewis's books in the past, I always thought he was kind of, you know, it's very very level headed commentator on what was going on. It was, uh, but this these are just rants. You know? <laughs> I mean, it's, if what he says is true, these places were just so dysfunctional, mm. so dysfunctional. Wild West. Yeah, we call it the new third world. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just extraordinary. I mean, you know, corruption and evasion on a grand scale yeah. in Greece, and you know, just bizarre behaviour in Iceland. But uh, anyway, um, actually, we're launching in a, a new column in a couple of weeks, which is the uh, essentially a book club, um, where, where we're going to look at a theme through through some of the literature that's been been written there. And I think we might be exploring bubbles at some point in the future. Mm. Um, I'm sure okay. Michael Lewis will feature. I'm sure he will feature in, in a number of weeks. And Quindale, we never oh. want to talk about this company again, but uh, it's all gone from bad to worse there. Well, yes. A, a, a chink of light yesterday when they when they finally produced 2014 results yeah. and said, OK, we're going to be uh, readmitted to the market Thursday morning. Um and then, but within within about an hour of that, um, the the serious fraud office said, said that they were 
they were starting an investigation into activities which have already been investigated by uh, forensic accountants yeah, and so forth yeah. in this company. Well, I heard the, the accountants the, are going to get investigated as well. KPMG yeah. getting investigated as well, yeah. So oh, it, it's a, it's been a catalogue of, 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 of misery, yeah. this one. Um, we, uh, and on the 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 results that came out yesterday came in three parts. They were hugely detailed with a lot. I mean, this this new management team is clearly trying to draw a line under the issues of recent years of the previous management team who grew yeah far yeah. too quickly via paper transactions and just created a mess. I think we should perhaps avoid speculating on what's going to happen with this one because uh, it could end up in a mm. court mm. and. Uh, Yep. Oh, we could speculate now before the reporting restrictions come into place. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, maybe, maybe not. No, but the shares got the shares did get did take a, a bit of a uh, pasting when they did reissue re, re, relist this morning. They were down about forty percent. Okay. Well, so, welcome back, Quindell. Yeah, we'll uh, right. we'll we'll stay neutral on that one. I think. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, let's wrap up quickly. Um, we have John Barron this week with his latest investment trust portfolio. He hasn't made too many changes. Um, he has made one change, um, which is to increase his exposure to the small cap end of the UK market, which he believes is in a sweet spot uh, and is about to benefit from a reduction in volatility among small caps. Very interesting. Uh, it's something we hear, we've heard, actually, the funds um, team actually mentioned this in another uh, part of the magazine. Um, I think this is a theme which is coming in, into play now. Um, obviously, lots in the fund section, which uh, and personal finance, which they will talk about on their their show tomorrow. Um, we've got Dan's feature, uh, hidden value. Good work there, Dan. Um, and basically, this is a stock screen based approach. We're looking at companies, uh, looking for companies that. Uh, perhaps have qualities that haven't been recognised in the market using a, a, a sort of statistical approach uh, that Algae Hall has developed. Um, and, uh, yeah, as I said, the results seem to have dominated pretty much everything this week. There's going to be a lot to uh, to, to, to digest there, readers, so uh, enjoy that. Anyway, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Dan. And uh, we will uh, catch up again next week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.